0: The, you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac,
1: and he says... I'll get you both.
2: Thank you. You definitely <laughs> yeah, like this it. guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks.
1: Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price.
2: Hello and welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all... Of television, we cover everything. Don't 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 get it twisted. There's not a single show that gets by us, uh, and we are here to send off Silicon Valley in particular. Uh, they just had their season uh, season finale this weekend, and joining me uh, is a long long-term, long term long long term friend of the show, collaborator, feedback sender, and proprietor of their his own podcast network, uh, Jason from the Nattercast. Welcome for the first time.
1: Hey, yeah. No, it's not not actually the first time. I was on a Breaking Bad cast years and years ago. Actually, like audio of you? Yeah, yeah. You called Uh, in. I I called in. Ah. You guys are doing the big rap up you had like uh uh like i think it was me and like shane bowen a few other people shit. but it has been a while
2: shit i forgot about that i am now yeah. now i feel like a giant asshole i was about to say oh no like, worries how, at all how, how it's like how, how much how much uh did the uh, you know how much jealousy did you have with, with shane because he's been on the podcast like a couple times and then i just like, oh just, just ignored you
1: just, yeah no like like gavin and richard levels uh. <laughs> competition
2: and now is when the uh the the band comes and plays and for the rest of the podcast we won't be here um (laughs) okay so what draw what uh, i've been wanting to have you or sion on the podcast for a while because it just seems like that's the next next step of our of our uh podcast evolution uh what i enjoy about you guys is that you've got a lot of um Nuts and bolts, practical experience in the art of filmmaking, um, and 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 a lot lot more studious and rigorous as far as like you know behind the scenes and how to make things happen. Can you talk a little bit before we get, get going about the Nattercast and and your experience and and you working with your wife and and how all that comes to play?
1: Oh sure, yeah. Uh, nuts and bolts, definitely. Sometimes it's usually more nuts than bolts <laughs> as, as it works out. So bolts, bolts uh, hard so to come
2: only- by and see it
1: uh, in Hollywood.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, we're the Nattercast. I mean uh, just quite frankly Nattercast is just basically based on bald move. I, I got We got into uh, Breaking Bad and at around season three, I started to think that this is not just a good show, it's like the best show ever. You mm-hmm. know? So I started seeking out podcasts and I uh, started listening to you guys and it was like, oh, you know this sort of like citizen you know review uh, format for podcasting is, is fantastic. And so we started covering uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, way back in the, in the breaking bad days. And then we, and then we came on to breaking bad when the season restarted and we've been doing this for about five or six years now, uh, this way we're at nattercast.com www.nattercast.com. And we flatter ourselves that if anybody who likes bald movies is going to like us, you know, um, and we've also been filmmakers, uh, for going on about, uh, 10 years now, we got started in San Francisco, uh, at a co-op, uh, called the scary cow, um, Uh, film co-op and we make uh, mostly short movies Uh, we worked on a couple of feature length you know uh, video things and what uh, Scary Cow is is a group of uh, it's we call it film school for adults it's kind of a group of people who are getting together and trying to teach themselves film and uh, uh, we have a showing uh, several times a year uh, at a a theater where we we do a little contest and and show our movies and things like that so Sienna and I have done Uh, we did a satirical short about the group itself called Behind the Cow. We did another one called Last Note, which is a a drama about uh, a a father and a daughter coping with the loss of of the mother. And um, yeah. And so it's been a a great like learning process because we've kind of come up in podcasting and in film at around the same pace and around the same time. And uh, what podcasting has been for us is a way of studying story and structure and filmmaking. Sion has a lot of insight into, you know, directing and the photography choices. And I tend to be the writer and the editor. You know, uh, Kelly Dixon is my hero. And so we found that, that this this format, this podcasting format, and we created a community on Facebook of people like which, like Shane and you guys and and uh, Jay Greenspan and, and a bunch of others uh, talking about shows has really helped us keep our head in story and in filmmaking and in how you uh, communicate on the screen. Um, and I think it's just been a it's been a fantastic you know uh, uh, synergistic thing, you know to be able to be in the commentary space and the fan space on podcasting and in the producer space you know with our short films and having them feed each other that way.
2: All right, so that's uh, that's kind of the perspective you bring. Um, as you said, we I guess we're we're just more uh our job 's a lot easier it 's like we just uh, we 're fans and we either like it or you don 't we don't have to defend shot selection and stuff like that so right. also that story is San Francisco as fuck film cooperatives and uh you know, oh yeah no we are
1: t- yeah. Yeah. We are as San Francisco as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we are.
2: So you, so you also, um, I think you, you might have some unique qualifications in which to offer criticism of Silicon Valley as well, because you have been more involved than I would have uh, expected in kind of like the startup scene, uh, based on stuff I've seen you say and some stuff that your wife has said.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So my, my, you know, my day job. You know, some of us don't have the listenership to support this (laughs) as a career, you know. Some would say uh, on
2: some days we don't either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, uh, So, you know, my day job is I'm a game developer. Uh, I spent the bulk of my career at Maxis and Electronic Arts uh, working with uh, Will Wright. I worked on The Sims and SimCity and Spore are kind of my big famous blockbuster things that I've done. And then for about the last 10 years, I'd been in the, in the startup scene, uh, working, uh, Will had a startup that I worked at for a while. And then, uh, I worked for about a year with, uh, Mark Pincus. Uh, he was starting his, uh, um, super labs, uh, um, incubator. And that was a very sort of, uh, uh, Pied Piper, Hoolie sort uh-huh. of experience because Mark was, um you know uh he i we we had the sense he was trying to rebillionize a little bit he wanted that right. Kind of back, right yeah yeah and he was always struggling with Zynga, but in trying to get this this project off the ground and there were like five of us in this little hovel trying to you know make a company happen and he was like uh you know uh, you know we pitched to vc we worked on a deck and and uh, and there would always be this weekly drama where the whole story would change and the whole business environment would change so you know, Silicon Valley. We do like you know we cover uh, Better Call Saul and and Game of Thrones and things like that. And and for us, Silicon Valley, I've, I haven't really gone very deep in it you know, before this season because it's mostly just been like you know I just sort of drink and watch it and cringe
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: because because of the dramas that we've seen there. I'm yeah. working now at a company called Roblox, uh, which is post startup. You know, they're actually successful, and I've been finding that that's been a little bit more comforting as I've gotten old.
2: Right. I um I mean I followed the Silicon Valley kind of culture from afar because in the Midwest which I've done all my work it's like there's not a lot of not as many startups. Um and the you know, but there is a a pretty strong IT culture that, you know, like programmers are kind of the same or have historically been the same no matter where you go and, and some of that culture is self perpetuating. Um, you know, it's like you you emulate the behaviors of people you see before. So I've I've gotten more of like from an in the trenches perspective on on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I let's let's start let's start with our, our our criticism of Silicon Valley, the show. Um, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not because I don't really have my my thumb on the pulse of this community like I do in some of the shows that I watch. I watch this strictly as a fan. I don't I don't do a lot of uh, research and reading about it. Although I did do a lot this week because of all the The personnel changes that are happening which we can talk about whenever um my gut tells me that this is by a pretty wide margin the worst season of silicon valley
1: i'd say yeah and and i'm i am i want to say i'm in the same boat as you are i'm I'm basically a fan uh you know i kind of i watch it and hackers and i play watchdogs you know it's all kind of the same boat (laughs) Uh and i haven't done a lot of research on you know the the like like you know like with with would with saul or Right. Or whatever. Right. and this season yeah it, it really wasn't working for me it, I kind of compare it to Fargo season mm. three. you know where like the first half I really felt like we're doing this again okay so the, you know Richard is going to Richard things up again yep. and you know there's going to be this chance of success and then this ridiculous failure and then you know this pull out and it felt like it was getting stale uh-huh. uh, I've liked it in the sort of like Fargo it, I felt like it picked up in the bottom half uh-huh. Um, but only because they just sort of upped the ante and made things more crazy, and that's fun, and it got into some, like, Beavis and Butthead territory. Yeah. Um, but I think it has definitely, this season, it has had less apt insight into the way things kind of really work. Like, I felt in the previous seasons, they've been introducing stereo, especially stereotypical billionaires. Right. Right. Um, who I've met a couple of guys in that category, mm-hmm. right? um and i would like you know like i think gavin belson was great i think russ hanneman was great i think jack barker was great and as we introduced each of them in the first couple of seasons they created these great dark visions of richard's future right, right? these are all different kinds of guys that richard could become or kinds of guys who could interfere with richard and this season felt much more episodic it felt more like three's company mm. like okay there's going to be a wacky reason why this thing doesn't go off or a wacky reason why they, you know, they pull their fat out of the fire and some of it worked and some of it didn't, mm-hmm. but it has felt less insightful into the culture. Definitely.
2: Yeah. And the other thing is like, cause, cause I'll, I'll I I've been trying to change the way I approach stuff and and cuz I've realized that I am I have a lot more facility talking about stuff I don't like <laughs> uh uh-huh. than than praising things I do like uh and I tend to spend a lot of the time on like like it critiques of of even things I love to the detriment of the things that I actually want to praise about so I want to try to start with some things I thought really worked um Jared continues to be the one character who I'm not kind of sick of at this point um, yeah. and, and I really like the complex web of what the fuck that they're building with his past life. And I also like the fact that he can kind that he successfully fragmented himself into two distinct personalities. Yes. Uh, when he donned the – what was it, Ed something or other?
1: Oh, yeah. He uh, didn't get the last – it was, yeah, Ed, and it's like, I, I eat that dude's lunch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, totally
2: Yeah, how long that nerd Jared make you wait And what what I think is hilarious (laughs) is he doesn't immediately realize what a huge adaptation How advantageous it would be to just roll as Ed through a lot of his life Right (laughs) You know, like if he wants to let some people into the inner Jared fortress, fine But he should really (laughs) put Ed up against the entire world And the fact that he doesn't, he only uses that surgically, I think Well, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons he's not a major asshole
1: Right, right. I mean, it's a show about assholes. It is. It's like like Seinfeld. When they realized toward the end of Seinfeld, all of these are terrible people.
2: Yeah, but that's the problem with – so, like, you have to commit to that premise. Like, Seinfeld, like, uh, Always Sunny, you have to essentially never ask the audience to feel sorry or empathize or humanize these characters because the spell is broken. And I feel like this show uh, violates that all the time and it sucks because their 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 characters feel frozen in amber like they can't grow and learn and change like you know that richard's whole okay so i guess we're just going to go launch right into the (laughs) shit that i hate i'm see see this is what's insidious. uh did you is there anything that you liked about this season before we go and start ripping it up
1: oh yeah so uh, jared absolutely and what i'm hoping is that they have a real theory of jared's background and they're revealing it like joy Martin style, mm-hmm. you know, like, right. Uh, like it's going to turn out to be Jon Snow's dad or something. Like right. That. Right. Uh, the, but the other thing, uh, the, my favorite character on the show right now is Jin Yang.
2: Uh, uh.
1: And I have taken to uh, calling everything in the house that is breaking or screwing up Jin Yang. Mm-hmm. And and it might be a little racist, but it is um <laughs> it is helping my blood pressure quite a bit. So like sure. when the refrigerator's leaking, I'm like, Jin Yang! You uh-huh. know, cats or whatever. And I found that the dynamic, uh, and it's kind of, you know, the, the one thing that's regrettable about TJ Miller leaving is the dynamic between Ehrlich and Jin Yang uh-huh. uh, has been pretty great. And I do love that they're using Jin Yang as this this comic relief, right? Uh, and he comes in and there's just some, some crazy premise. He has the car, he has the fridge or whatever. And I like how it, it uh, ends up being a payoff in the story, right? Like the TV uh, supercluster uh, that saves their database system, or not TV, sorry, the refrigerator Right. Is all Jin Yang's refrigerator. Right. <laughs> right. And so, uh, and the final Erlich Jin Yang at the international uh, the terminal at the airport was just was like the perfect send off, um, you know. And so I found that that, and it, what I like about that character as well is. It is a little stereotyped. It's like, okay, you know, he's got this, you know, broken English accent mm-hmm. or whatever. But on the other hand, that is how people from China talk. Yeah. And his personality is very clearly distinctive and his own. Yeah. And they're giving him a whole lot more agency and power. Yes. Before he felt more like just this foil for Ehrlich, this like dumb guy who doesn't know how to do American stuff. And now they made him more and more. Powerful in that relationship, and I enjoyed that And I, I actually kind of am going to regret Seeing T.J. Miller leave, because I think they could have Taken that relationship
2: right. uh, A little further And I, you know, this is, you talk about it being racist And, you know, watch out, two white guys Talking about uh, race right. on the internet But I I mean I've always, it, I, I think that Because you're right, I mean, in the IT world i have working with a lot of Indians, a lot of Pakistanis A lot of uh, uh, People from China, and from um, Lots of Places not America from, uh, um, and that they do have, like, you know, you can draw broad classes of behaviors and the way they speak. And, but I guess what it's only offensive is if you just rely on that and you don't give them any depth. Because when you meet these people in real life, like, yes, they have all these like readily identifiable handles, but they're also individual, unique people and they're angry about certain things and they, they are happy about certain things and they like the, and, you know, they're not, and I, I guess I like that about Jing Yang is that. They have made him kind of the most realist person, like... Uh, Ehrlich's trying to make up with him at the airport, and like, let's look at our relationship in a big. That's just kind of shit that would like would befuddle Richard, and Richard would get into the sentimentality of it. And Jin Yang's just not get the fuck out, get the fuck out, yeah, get when... the fuck out. And that's how a real person would be after four years of Ehrlich. And and they 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 grant him humanity that they don't really give to any of the other uh principles on on the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like. He's a deeper character than Guilfoyle. Oh, for you know? sure. And I mean, Guilfoyle gets like five times the screen time.
2: What do we I mean, what do we know about Guilfoyle other than he's a Satanist, uh, he loves IT infrastructure, uh, and he's got more success with women than Dinesh.
1: He's in an open relationship, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like that I, I I I mean, it's he is he's a cipher. Um and, you know, Dinesh and Richard are arguably worse because like Okay, so we're going to – unless you want to praise some more things. No, no, we can go into the hate now. <laughs> um, I want to pivot in because I, I, I've been watching the first season because I didn't see all of season one. Uh, my, my partner Jim talked about how great Silicon Valley was, and I watched the finale with him because this was back when we were still living together. And I got the whole tip-to-tip efficiency, and it was the, one of the most funny things I've ever seen that it had kind of like a plausible IT hook – um, with you know this like just broad physical comedy and like this kind of like humiliation porn, and and I liked it, but what I what I'm not enjoying is seeing that Richard has not changed one iota as a person from that season in the way he handles business relationships, in the way he handles women, in the way he ha- looks at life. Um, and you know you compare and contrast that to like Always Sunny. Where right. if you compare like early season Frank to late season Frank, early season uh, Charlie to late season Charlie, they change. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they they have this guy like they, this 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 gravitational pull that their character kind of orbits around. But if anything, right. they get more and more extreme, and they get more and more cartoonish and vile. Which is, I think, a perfectly valid way for a comedy character to evolve. But right. the problem – the 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 core problem I see here is on Silicon Valley, no one changes and no one evolves. Like these guys are going to be just as awkward boners around women in their 30s as they were in their 20s. And what the fuck? Is that interesting?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, I think to your point on Evolution, in the first three seasons, uh, I feel like the show – it wasn't the characters that were evolving. It was the company. Yes. Right? And so they, they were taking a startup through the phases of a startup making it to like mid-level success, right? right? So you have you have the the hackathon where you you know uh, present yourself to the public with your with your idea, and then you have the whole uh, funding round element, and then you mm-hmm. have this thing where uh, you know you can't be the CEO because we want the company to succeed, right. right? And we and then somebody comes in and wants to make a box instead of a platform or whatever, and so you're struggling with what to do. For your first, so it's like, how, what's your, your first demo of technology? How do you get funding? What's your first product? We're seasons one, two, and three. Right. And it felt like this season's kind of like, well, what is Pied Piper trying to accomplish at this point, right? And mm. the, the I did enjoy the the conflict between Richard and uh, Guilfoyle and Dinesh over, we're not a compression company, we're a video chat company. Right. Yeah. Going to provide premium video chat. That's the hook. Mm-hmm. for your technology. Mm-hmm. And it you're right, it is frustrating to have Richard kind of stuck in this season 1 mode where he's not really thinking on a product basis, right? He's he's thinking of this new internet and this big visions and this sort of Steve Jobsian stuff, but you'd kind of want to learn one of the things here is that that Steve Jobsian stuff is by and large it's bullshit. But it's right. the bullshit that that is it's good bullshit. It's bullshit that is uh, fertilizing the field, but you're not going to get any growth out of that for years. In the meantime, you're supposed to be focusing on – you know, Gavin Belson has got the right point of view. It's like in the meantime, you focus on aggressively getting as many people using your stuff as possible by mm-hmm. whatever means necessary. Right. Right. And then, then you can – especially with Richard's idea, which requires scale to succeed. Yeah. Right. That the fact that he's throwing users out of bed because he doesn't want to do this kind of platform, he doesn't want to do that. It's like, well, that's what people want to use. You want people to download your stuff, you mm-hmm. know, do that. So I kind of felt like this season, when they were basically, this was the season of scale. I was the theme, right? It's like now your product has to be go from a thousand people to ten thousand to a hundred thousand to to millions, right, right. And uh, they didn't really address scaling as a topic in the same kind of i think insightful way that they dealt with the other phases of the startup right Uh, precisely because richard is still stuck in dorm room hacker mode he's not yeah responsible executive in any way
2: yeah and i mean part of that's because i i i haven't completed my rewatch of season one but it's it just instructed to see like the reason he chose peter's company over gavin's is because he wanted to actually learn and grow the company the right way and kind of like not just be consumed by this, but actually, to, you know, to be more than just a figurehead or more than just the 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 Wozniak to somebody's job. But he, in the four years he's been, I've seen him on this show. Like he's learned none of this, those those skill sets, and maybe that's because you know Peter obviously dies in between seasons, and uh, him and Lori didn't have that same same bond that that him and Peter did. But I I don't know. To me, it's frustrating to see. Like either I want these characters to be just that caricatures of a human being, and I can just see them you know like rubber chickens thrown against the wall, like it's just funny the physics of them when they splat. I don't have to think about, oh, there's bones breaking here um, right right Richard has got you know they're trying to humanize him, so I'm always wanting to connect and feel badly for him, but they also are not like you know having them grow in any way, and it's kind of like it I'm starting to feel like Richard is a toxic friend in my life. Where, like, man, we used to have so right. many good times and, you know, like, oh, there's no better person to, to, to do a keg stand with. But, you know, damn it, I got a wife and kids and a job now, and he's just going into my life and, and wrecking my, my plate glass window that is my life here all the time. And it's just getting old and he won't ever learn. And what the fuck? I'm going to have to break up with him. <laughs> that's right. that's the, the, the flavor I'm getting from him. And that's not
1: a good flavor for comedy to have. No, and it starts to be this thing where so like you know uh Sino and I refer to it out here as the, there's a, there's a money tornado out here uh-huh. <laughs> right just you know from from v c and from the app development, and especially a few years ago it's starting to to you know coalesce now a little bit more, but there used to be this thing where you know you sort of reach your hand out the window and, you, and you, there's you're going to get funding for things. And, you know, I spent, you know, obviously I didn't end up making a billion dollars in the startup game, so it's not like you can just... And, and I was working with people who had all kinds of access, right? Right. You know? uh, but not not every idea works out or this or that. But at, at some point, we're getting to it you know, with Richard, where it's like, okay, Guilfoyle's a citizen now, right? He The only reason he was working at Pied Piper is because they're willing to pay him in cash, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, when he was Canadian. And uh, same thing with Dinesh is that I'd really like to see them start looking for other opportunities. Right. Because at this point with Pied Piper, I-, I could see hanging in with Richard for the first two or three years of this thing. But at this point, they're really looking now at like, is this is this really a viable thing for us to be owning? Especially because every time it becomes worth anything, Richard turns down the money.
2: Yes. Yes, <laughs> right? like at the end, which is like like I which was is a
1: hashtag Rigby. Post yes, Rigby, yes, you know? yes. Yeah, I was uh, watching.
2: Yeah. I was watching the finale, and when Gavin came in there with that offer, that he was. I was like, "Take the money, take the yes. m- go work on your pat. You know your passion project, but do it from a position of strength, so your friends don't have to suffer." You jackass.
1: Right, uh, and same thing with the whole. Uh, if we want to get into like the the case against Richard Hendricks, uh, if uh, you know, it starts in the in. I mean, I was like right. Pre the you know, Rigby was the uh, little term that Gilfoyle and Dinesh used was their their macro for saying Richard's a great guy, but you know, right? Uh, and that's when he was having his CTO CEO temper tantrum and i think i I think there's a really missed opportunity with lori bream i mean they slotted her in specifically to be peter
2: yes it's it's so obvious exact exact character and and, and so i feel so stupid because i've been railing against lori for all these years about what a bizarre character she is and i I, now that i've seen all of season one well not all of season one all but Uh episode two it's so clear that she's just like well this guy This guy exited in a way we have no control of. Let's just bring in this other character that is, for all intents and purposes, the exact same
1: person. Exactly. But then not give her the same relationship to Richard. Yeah. Right. Richard was following Peter and wanting to learn how to finance this. And Peter had this weird insight where it's like he could figure out like these sesame seeds were going to quadruple in value and yeah things yeah, like yeah. That. He, uh-huh. give her that same savant well, well give
2: her because like it seems like her and richard's relationship was antagonists from the beginning which i don't understand and almost like i i i haven't seen the season premiere of two for a while but i got the instinct and impression that she was running the company as if a reaction to peter's mismanagement like it wasn't that oh, part of the yeah. plot. Like she's still like, oh, you know, he's you know, I'm I'm kind of Rick. He's he's done some bad things, and I'm kind of reining this in and whatever. And which immediately made me not like her. And I feel like that 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 was a wedge between her and Richard. Where that's so it's like what? Why then have the exact same character if you're not going to
1: recreate everything? Which I guess they could have, right? And well, then they could have recreated it. They could have just made her his protege, right? Yeah. It really just became like you know darth vader just like this really effective protege right right uh, and the, i mean and there is a peter type out there in the valley and i've mm-hmm. met a lot of them especially through through will mm-hmm. uh who are these bizarro i mean maybe they're geniuses or maybe they're just crazy but they will look at the world in this kind of uh, you know freakonomics kind of way i mean he's where...
2: like the he's like the like a, a nod to bill gates isn't he
1: Bill Gates and, uh, oh, I forget the name of the guy, but the guy who wrote for Economics, you know, it's like a cross between the two, where it's like, yes, really awkward socially, very uh, sort of bottom line, you know. Because Bill, allegedly, when he was younger, had that. Uh, Probably now that he's doing more charity.
2: Well, that's the thing, like, like, um, and that's the interesting thing about Bill Gates is Bill Gates has actually changed and evolved as a human being in response to his vastly different station in life and the opportunities he's had. He's no longer the awkward guy. You know, giggling about how much he loves reading calculus books just for fun on 60 Minutes, you know? It's like right. he's
1: he's a lot different guy. Um, and it's all – yeah, and who what I'd compare it to is the social network. I mean Richard here is supposed to be Zuckerberg. Hmm. Like, you know, not exactly. But right. we want to see that level of evolution from this college kid to this, you know, master of the universe. And he's not necessarily
2: uh, right. bad, and he's not ness, but he is arrogant and he is smart. So, hmm, okay, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And play to that, play to, and play to that with show him succeeding and failing in interesting ways. The way Mark has, right? You know, uh, who's probably the most recent version of someone very young who's played this game. Yes, right. We haven't we haven't seen a lot of like twenty year olds come in and do this kind of thing in mm-hmm. in, in a while, and so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay.
2: So, so you won the. You you were talking about. I I interrupted your case against uh Richard here.
1: Oh right. So because <laughs> we got off so on the Lori, I, to,
2: what, the Lori Peter wagon.
1: The Laurie Peter wagon. But then so so to me the 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 case against him starts just before the CTO CEO thing where he's like gonna storm off and sue and all this kind of stuff, and Dinesh and Guilfoyle have that conversation that Rigby thing mm-hmm. where it's like you know this is our opportunity to succeed and because he insists on being the CEO when he would in fact be a great CTO. Mm-hmm. Right. And should work with a experienced CEO who knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So especially because the business plan here is what Richard doesn't get fundamentally is that the business plan for this company is much more difficult and vulnerable to put together than the tech. They mm-hmm. apparently have the tech mm-hmm. and it's the business plan. And so the two guys say, you know, uh, uh, that was the beginning of the case against him. Then other little stuff like at the beginning of this season, and they're supposed to be crunching to reduce their bandwidth costs. Mm-hmm. And Richard spends his forty-eight hour crunch period improving the color, <laughs> right, right, on the video chat in a way that's completely undiscernible. Guilfoyle's like, people are using this on their phone; they don't care what you know. That right, increased space by a slight amount. Right, right. And and more and more, Dinesh saying, you completely Dick we agreed to this and you did that Yeah uh, And so uh, You know then he obviously lying About turning down Keenan Feldspar Right Just flat out lying about uh, You know oh he, he Allowing that the idea that Keenan broke up the, 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 the Deal and not him initially Which, which
2: here comes another diversion um, Are we supposed to not are, I, I feel like we're supposed to like Keenan because I did like especially once you unravel all of the Richard lies around him, I mean he's a very unconventional strong personality. But what I like about him is he doesn't lie. Like he's very straightforward in all of his human interactions. Like, hey, you did this thing and I don't like it, and here's why I don't like it. What's the deal? Like, right? I yeah. I, I would much rather deal with an army of uh you know uh, uh Hallie Joe Osment style that guy than just one Richard. <laughs>
1: quite possibly that that's a bit of a so i'm in gaming right yeah and so the part i have kind of enjoyed of this whole thing is like what exactly is vr and is there any sure market viability sure at all? And, and, how, and, and
2: how it's utterly impossible to do a demo of vr that plays for anyone other than the people wearing the goggles
1: right it's totally isolating yes right? but it and, is an amazing experience I've, yes i've Totally I've driven a couple of these heavy rigs and it's like, this is great. And I'm, I'm someone who loves a cockpit game and it's like, okay, this is going to be fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the billion dollar industry I don't kind of see. And so there, I've, I've met a good number of Keenan Feldspar types as well, mm-hmm. obviously in gaming there are a ton of them. And, uh, I have an, a bit of an allergic reaction to him because yeah, he's very, he's honest, he's direct, he's enthusiastic. Right. Mm-hmm. He, uh, but he's also in some ways Russ Hanneman. Um, mm. Which is that he's totally hedonistic and self-focused and only cares about his immediate feelings about things. in every single scene, he's disrupting
2: mm. the flow. Yeah, and yeah, choosing
1: to do whatever feels good. right. right. So like even with Jack Barker's up on the stage, he's like, Keenan Feldspar and he points to his left and <laughs> right Felspar comes up on the right. right. He's like, I'm digging it over here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't take direction and that's he's going to be a disastrous partner. Gotcha. And I think they're they're setting him up like Barker, Belson, and Hanneman to be the next guy who seems to kind of have it, you know, uh, what you need, but who's going to the minute anything about Pied Piper makes him feel sad, he's not he's not going to follow through.
2: Yeah. So. You know, I w- I wonder if it would be interesting for this show as as you know a, a detour off from the detour now. Um, as they introduce a CEO that's actually competent, but because of the guys' experiences with CEOs, it just completely uh, armors them against any good advice that they could take. You know, because, like, there exists in the world competent management. Sure. And, yeah. like, you know, I, I also thought it was kind of weird that Lori, who we're supposed to think is competent, um, would appoint a Jack Barker type to be the CEO, even though we – I mean, I feel like we've seen enough to judge whether
1: he's good
2: at it or not. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's the frustration with the whole Rigby thing, which is that on the one hand Richard is throwing this temper tantrum, on the other hand Laurie Breen wants to put Jack Barker in. Yes, which isn't a better choice. No. really, ultimately, and why? And what I'm trying to get to is, you know, how do the Jack Barkers of the world operate? Um, because as soon as we hit any kind of crisis, he quadruples down on bullying everybody. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'd love him getting kidnapped and yeah. <laughs> just yeah. There he's got to show him how to work
2: harder and and more with his uh, pyramid of success or whatever
1: hell it was or the, the conjoined triangle conjoined triangle of success yeah yeah and uh, this is why like steve jobs and bill gates don't go to china because they will get kidnapped right <laughs> right
2: <with hostits>.
1: right stuff <laughs> so yeah that the that also makes for a, a difficult uh way of addressing richard which is that yeah, he's he's fucking up and making these stupid mistakes, but then the people around him are being stupid too.
2: Yeah, there's no one, there's no like shining example of a something that works that right. you could compare him to. So he always compares favorably because he's against, you know, either completely incompetent. At least Richard's got a core competency, right? You go against right. people that are either utterly incompetent or completely morally bankrupt you never have like i i mean i would let this point like richard seems like he needs to get a guy whose core competency is business uh right. and then they would live happily ever after but of course you know i understand like okay look aaron you can't have a show like that because conflict is the interesting part of the story if you have no conflict and whatever but i don't know
1: oh sure no but i mean the thing is i mean out here, there's in any business, there's plenty of conflict.
2: That's what I, I was about to say. It's like even in our little startup bullshit podcast network, Bald Move, there's plenty of drama and conflict. And I think you know uh, the principles in that are fairly reasonable, uh, level-headed uh, people with decent heads on their shoulders. You know, like what uh-huh. you you don't have to make everyone literally the devil, and then Richard have to pivot in some way to being a saint or, or sacrifice. Like, like like you know, everything's against everything's. Everything is constructed as if to be successful at any one stage. He has to sacrifice. I mean, not even like ethics, like like not even like business ethics, but like things that are objectively wrong. You know, yeah,
1: basic legality. Yeah,
2: yeah, like lying in open court or hacking people's phones and using malware like those are things that are not those are not shades of gray those are not things ever those those are not strips of mud everyone has to crawl through to be successful right but that's right, right. the way the show is forcing this dichotomy onto us
1: exactly and and so um you know and they I think they did kind of a good job of setting up this idea that Richard has this idea that will only succeed once several hundred thousand people are using it. Right. And, right. And that's like you know in my business that's like an MMO, mm-hmm. right, where it's like yeah. it doesn't matter that you've got a thousand users. Who cares? It's bullshit. You need to have fifty thousand users right. for this to be all. Right. Uh, and so I, I, you know, they were addressing the right problem, which is how do you get this vast bulk of users. But the answer is you demonstrate that this can work to someone, especially like Gavin Belson, who's got access to some funding, mm-hmm. and you just make Smurf phones that, that sit there and be the thing you need them to be. Mm-hmm. right? You, you pre-scale. You go out and you buy 100,000 phones and you mm-hmm. activate them mm-hmm. and let them sit and just be data storage. Right. And you start taking them offline as you gain customers. Right. That's the strategy that works. Going into Hoolicon with a bunch of pineapples. That's crazy talk. Mhm. Right? Especially if you have a tech conference that has a quarter million people mm-hmm. showing up at it. I mean, that's gigantic. That's right. you, like like that's like Apple development or something. Uh-huh. And uh you know, so again, with the case against Richard, uh putting your your employees out there and telling them to to install malware in this place and getting caught at it. And then again, big heading your way into falling back into luck that barker just happens to completely go off on his security guy right right whereas if he didn't you're fucked yeah right the only reason that 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 play worked at all Mm -hmm. was because barker just happened to completely piss off the security guy right and so that's not satisfying that doesn't feel like oh what a great path to success you found for yourself right you know, everything involves a little bit of luck but there's no brains there especially
2: um, since like even even not needing that luck like all Richard had to do was not act like a fucking child right. about a girl he once uh, was attracted to you know right? like like all he had to do is not act like a complete fucking child in that one moment and do his job put his head down and be like okay I'm gonna do my and, and he would have been fine as well so yeah, coup fair like,
1: is unforgivable.
2: Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's know, it's, it's it's also just yeah. I mean it's just it's not funny. It didn't lead to any triumph of the hero. It was just it, I don't know. It's it's really weird. It, I'm I, I can't think of a good analogy from anything else. I guess it's. Uh, like Joe Pesci killing the guy for the shoe shine box, like oh yep, yeah, here's the beginning. Yeah. You know, here here is the thing where the guy just can't fucking let something slide, and it's going to take down the whole operation.
1: Right, and then of course when you put your own employees in the to this security risk, and now you're doing something that's going to get them noticed. You know, come on, if you're going to be a criminal, be a good criminal. But you know, that's the thing is like good, <laughs> right. good, and,
2: and Goodfellas understood that that moment was a bad moment that it was going to completely change the lives of everyone that we cared about in the film to that moment. Like Silicon Valley does that and it's just like, okay, on to the next week. What else, what other zany things will Richard do to, to get his trouble, a company in and out of trouble?
1: Right, right. Um, now the thing that I've enjoyed here that that I do like is Uh that we're not dealing with like a Skylar white type of situation. The writers are very clear at this point that we're supposed to be disapproving of Richard and that we're looking at a dark side fall.
2: So that's that's your thesis. And I actually that's one of the reasons I had you on because like I I really like that idea is like, oh, well, I'm supposed to hate Richard because they're going to have him turn into the show, the villain of the show. That would be actually interesting. But I was reading some things with like Mike Judd and the other producers. And I don't I mean, I mean, maybe I I guess what am I expecting them to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the whole final arc of the series. (laughs) You got us. It's going to go down exactly like this. No need to keep watching. Um, but it it seemed like they were distancing themselves from the idea that he was going to become the villain of the show. Which kind of like I I fell in so in love with your
1: idea that that uh-huh. bummed me out in retrospect. I think ultimately, n I, I agree they're they're not going to make Richard the bad guy. You're not going to watch the this, this isn't there's not Ozymandias. So we're not going to watch the fall of Richard and be kind of like satisfied with a good anti-hero.
2: That would be pretty awesome though.
1: Well, I think, but I think that energy is coming in. I think the it, you know the the dark side. Uh, Influence on Richard Is the source of conflict And drama For the remainder I believe that I mean I know Mike Judge's work Well enough to know He puts his heroes On a redemptive arc
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right If you look at at Office space They do something Objectively horrible And stupid Mm -hmm. And illegal Right Right And uh, But the characters You know Michael Bolton Stays likable Uh huh Right, uh, and even if he, the, he gets under the stress of that, he does some shitty things. He ultimately finds some redemption. So I, I believe Richard will become the villain of the show and be redeemed, huh. you know, Vader style. He will, he will, and, and that's what they sort of did here with, uh, with the he'll, he'll throw
2: Buster. throw Gavin Gavin Belson over the top of the Hoolie building while he's electrocuting <laughs> right? yeah. Jared for betraying <laughs> him. Yeah, way. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Actually, that think-
2: all would be forgiven.
1: And so, and especially with with turning Gavin down, I think that the place where they're going to go with drama is how dark side does Richard have to go to defeat Gavin Belson? And what does he have to do to keep his soul? And I think ultimately we're going to see a positive story for Richard. I don't think they want us to hate Richard. He's not Walter White. But they they do want us to uh, uh, feel like he's sliding down a hole, especially because... I mean, they've been very on the nose about it. I mean, uh, uh, Dinesh has been saying, you dick, like at the beginning of every episode, mm, you know, mm. for whatever you just last did. And Jared really lays it down. It's like, you know, you are, you know, they put it right on the nose. You're mm-hmm. sliding down a hole that Gavin Belson slid down. Yeah. I can't facilitate this. I will quit, which is like for Jared, the ultimate. Right. You know, that's that's the nuclear option for him. Right. And then to have Richard come back and say, I really get it. And Jared, and when Jared said, "Yeah, you know, the fact that you think success justifies your actions," and for Richard to say, "Hey, it's a means to an end," right? So, we, so I think it's going to be this struggle for Richard's soul between what he has to do to defeat Gavin and what he has to do to maintain um, Jared's view of him. And I think ultimately, the Jared side is going to win. Richard will be a good person who who makes a good company.
2: All right, yeah, I buy that. Now, do you think that? Um... I guess my question is, where does Gilfoyle and Dinesh fit in here? Because number one, it seems like they're this is like it's starting to be a will they won't they situation. Like, when are these guys going to realize they love each other and stop with this bullshit? And also, I mean, I, I felt like this last the finale, like they built up Anton so much, uh, being like a surrogate child for Gilfoyle. That it's resulting utter utter destruction and the futility of said destruction, I don't feel like that got the moment it deserved. Like it felt well, like a lot of buildup with no payoff there.
1: Right, and he uh, and I this, mean, he is, this is this is all Anton died to save them. You know, I didn't quite make that connection. Uh,
2: yeah, no, your 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 petty revenge against Jin Jin Yang's uh, smart fridge is what did that.
1: Yeah, which took Anton's effort, but he uh-huh. didn't have to die for that. Right. yeah yeah
2: sure. yeah he would have been just fine in the racks back in the garage had it not been for so like i i i don't know and, and, and i guess what i'm saying is uh, i'm saying all these complaints to say why does dinesh and guilfoyle go forward with richard's company
1: right uh, at this point why especially look we we even had this uh and it's, it's not uh um, in the real world it's not like what you see on the show but but Gilfoyle put himself out on LinkedIn as looking and mm-hmm. immediately got all this swag and, and, mm-hmm. and recruiters and things like that, you know, right. and uh, that kind of thing happens. It's like, you know, when I go from like w- a gig to looking and I'm on LinkedIn, I just because of my skill set, I get do five or six things a day of like, oh, I got this startup, that startup. Right. And so uh, we know that Guilfoyle at least is getting other offers. Uh, Dinesh seems like he could doing the same thing i by the way i kind of liked ceo dinesh i thought he, that was a good
2: i that was <laughs> that actually was something fresh and i i enjoyed his trying to like just 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 to live up the what he thought a ceo should do and say and be comb his hair like yeah yeah
1: yeah so that, that was fun did like but, did
2: so, not like dinesh sending his girlfriend to jail so much that was a, that was a <sighs> real step back for his character
1: <laughs> i think so, yeah you know yeah, but she's like you know, this is, it's uh it's not like she's just uh, uh filling around with a couple of ATMs though. She's like <laughs> really exposing him to some real yeah uh, sure sure some real hazards. What I didn't like is that they had to go to her to find out how to run a man in the middle attack with pineapple. Yeah, so she, that's... She, she seriously just said Google it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the thing is like there it's it's a fine line between and and you know the uh, Mister Robot always walks us to of, of having something that's like plausible for your core audience which probably are, are nerds that have a passing familiarity and interest of this, if not intimate awareness of this and have something that the other part of the audience who, you know, might even be larger can actually understand and follow because, you know, that's the thing. Like I think the Mr. Robot shows well is that a lot of sophisticated hacks start with, you know, good old social, social and human engineering. Um, Yeah. And that's Uh. like the the really boring truth of a lot of famous hackers is they exploit (laughs) <laughs> well-known weaknesses of the human operating system to 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 pull off their, their schemes and scams.
1: Yeah, sure. No, people are the weakest link in any security system. Right, right. If you eliminate the people, then, then you, you double the security right there. I do like that they reintroduced her briefly because I think she's pulling a Tyrion on Dinesh. Really? I think she fed him a story about how she was going to find out who ratted him out. And she's got four or five other suspects for who ratted her out that mm-hmm. she's given other stories to, mm-hmm. and whichever story ends up being moved against, that's the person who's right because huh, she told him, "Oh, there's an un- there's a terminal in the library if I can just right. get a shift. Right, right. right, Well, maybe there's not an unsecured terminal in the library. She's just seeing if she gets kicked off of library duty, then she knows it was It damage. would be interesting she if she if, if, kicked out of the laundry, she knows it's some other boyfriend.
2: Because it would be plausible for Kamel Nanjiani to move on from the show if if it continues to go much beyond a season or two. Because, you know, I don't know how um his big sick is going to do, but his profile has really shot up since the guy. I mean, he used to come on to Dan Harmon's podcast every week because, he, you know, him and his wife were bored to, you know being yeah. being a star in his own right so i guess that'd be an interesting I,
1: potential exit for his character yeah i'm hoping the big sick will do really well i think he's really appealing and he's got a great uh, he does great face puppetry he is yeah yeah he's got this great eye eyebrow line and intense uh-huh. eyes and, uh-huh. and i think he's and and big sick looks looks like it'd be pretty good that's uh michael Showalter who uh, from uh stella mm. uh directed that and i've always he's very dry sense of humor and very sort of deep and so I'm hoping it'll be a substantial romantic comedy yeah, yeah. Um, and then I so like the, then we have the Stanford cluster thing to me this was and I liked the finale quite a bit but kind of just from a raucous ridiculous almost Beavis and Butthead like
2: <laughs> right yeah.
1: it's like okay this is just going full ridiculous slapstick comedy and I'm enjoying
2: it yeah and how can this uh, possibly ever work like at, at one point I thought that they're going to realize that because Jack had fucked up the recall so bad that their machines were still in production and there was never any interruption at all. Like, right. you know, like I was thought that that's like, where is, uh, you know, it didn't occur. I didn't think they'd go through the smart fridge, but you know, who the hell could have seen that coming?
1: Right. No, I I just figured it would be that because it's, it, it just seemed like, okay, Jack is fucking up the recall. Right. And the only phones that are exploding are the ones that also have the VR on them, which is just a handful. Right. So you're going to be fine with all the others who didn't download the VR app. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then it turns out to be the fridges. And it's like, how much data storage those fridges have? And, uh, and how uh, many smartphones
2: are there in the world? Yeah. Or how many smartphones so fridges are there? Yeah.
1: This show has been pretty good. Like, I'm a big fan of *A Halt and Catch Fire*. I think Jim is doing great coverage there uh, with the other guy, uh, whose name I forget. Eric. Uh, Eric, yeah. Um, That and and *Mr. Robot* and just like all obviously, you know, being being of the Valley, it's like anything that is Valley related Mm -hmm. or tech related, Uh, we we try to to catch those things. And I have more or less admired Silicon Valley for what what I like about it as opposed to *Halt and Catch Fire*. And *Halt and Catch Fire* has the opposite problem of Silicon Valley. On *Halt and Catch Fire*. Everyone is a super prescient genius because it's the 80s. Mm-hmm. So they all, the writers know what's going to happen. So they put the truth in the mouths of the heroic characters and some crazy theory, you know, in, in, it's like everybody just happens to know exactly how online gaming is going to work mm-hmm. and how the internet's going to work and right. all that kind of stuff. It gets tiresome. It's like, okay, yeah, you just wanted me to be impressed with this Don Draper character you've made. Right. He happens to know the whole history of the 70s.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's Biff Tanner. He went back in time with the uh, exactly. the, the score the score report for all the Jesus Christ. Um, I can't the whatever they call the book of records of scores. I can't remember. Right? What. Yeah. No.
1: There was a, it was a, the the baseball scores for the next the almanac.
2: Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, but uh, on this show, they've been very good. I thought about, like you said, communicating what is sometimes a kind of a complicated mm-hmm. piece of the business. In a way that the audience will get, but then that is complicated enough to make real issues. And I think with their widespread malware, jin yang, blowjob, mime based mm-hmm, mm-hmm. internet, they have a ton of problems. There's a ton of problems. This is malware. Yeah. Right. It is flat out illegal to install software this
2: way. That's also software that's gonna be immediately eradicated because they have the small family sitting down while the mime's going to, to town on an imaginary baguette in the background. Like <laughs> exactly. people, this is America, man. People people will unplug the refrigerators for much less.
1: They will sue the refrigerator company and the refrigerator company will sue you.
2: Right. Like remember um, what happened when Janet Jackson accidentally re- revealed a part of her nipple? Oh my to God! It was like like fifty time. million of us at one time. It was like you know, it was it was a fucking fiasco.
1: Uh, yeah, and then there's the the question of like, well, how much? Uh, c- clearly, if you try to run VR on a phone with this, it's going to explode. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's that, and then there's also that uh, Melcher's company, right? And Melcher now has got it in for Richard, right? For you know. Uh, by the way, another case against Richard. If you're gonna sleep with a married woman, try not to have her be in business with you. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's just, come on. You know, it, 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 Gilfoyle at one point said, "You know, act like you've seen a woman before. Just yeah, tr- tr- try to keep it together."
2: Yeah, like his. Oh uh, man. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so I think when I I hope for next season that they'll they'll you know. Address, I'm sure they will address this. The presence of Pied Piper software is now a, a huge liability on this company because they've behaved illegally. Right. And uh, their primary client is an insurance company. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have all of these HIPAA like mm-hmm. uh, data security, because these are people's personal financial information. Mm-hmm. And now it's on a, a network of ref- network refrigerators. Mm hmm. You know, and then and then never mind the whole premise of we're just going to take a little storage and give you a little bit back and we're not going to tell you what you're going to do with it. And, you know, but it's really this new Internet, you know, where you're all the servers. Well, how much child porn is going to end up? on Well, your that's Right.
2: That's the it's, that's the Tor <laughs> argument every single time it's like, oh, it's just magic software that hides you from. Well, yeah. And you're also accepting a non negligible amount of criminal stuff on your PC by it's that's always the problem, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch.
1: Right unless you can really control it like something like BitTorrent where you it's like I know exactly which torrents I'm gonna touch or whatever right, but I would
2: su- submit that the you know when these guys first crack at this and completely exposed information to each other's phones like that they might not have all the kinks worked out of that um and you're right like that's that's a pretty bad test client because of all the regulations and how conserv- fundamentally conservative the insurance agent uh, uh insurance world is um.
1: Not to mention the refrigerator world. Right, right, right. group out there, too. They showed the well, guy and- on the floor looking at all these, these Jin Yang. Yeah, stuff
2: like, hey, yeah. What the
1: fuck is this? We're going to trace this back and find out where this came
2: from. Well, and also they made such a big deal about how Jack got brought down because he wasn't compliant with some age gate. Like, uh-huh. that is a very small and incidental infraction against a pretty small, probably, piece of case law. Like, they're just up and up committing cybercrime. Uh right, So, right. like, how in the world can this possibly, you know, go – Go? I mean, it, I, I think it's funny that the no one in the show acknowledges how kind of fucked up it is. Like, you know, it'd be it, – right. it, I, I guess I would have more faith that going forward, like, Gilfoy and Dinesh are like, you know, yeah, I'm great that we live to fight another day, but what the hell are we going to do about all these actual and various crimes we've committed? And how are we, you know, like, like Jared's all and Richard's all like, well, if we're going to say for it's Abraham Lincoln. Well, if you're going to pull the honest Abe routine about this. You might go go to jail at the very yeah, least, lose your company. But
1: it's Abraham Lincoln if Lincoln captured all the slaves and moved them north.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, the slaves. Uh-huh. That's,
1: that's the kind of Lincoln that we're having.
2: Yeah. Right
1: so they've definitely foreshadowed in the story that they're aware of that problem right and Mm -hmm. then hopefully that will be because that's the next step for a company after you've scaled is the uh you know the malware attacks and the and the the collapse at scale that can happen when enough what they haven't encountered yet the thing that's going to happen is they haven't had any bad players Mm. they haven't had anybody come onto pied piper's platform and upload child pornography or deal drugs or do all of the things that happen
2: it would if they want if they want to go to child porn angle it'd be interesting to see them explore like a silk road situation
1: right right well, and it would and,
2: be really funny if it turns out gilfoyle is actually the dread pirate roberts of the
1: thing like he you know <laughs> let, let me let me slide this out here in sort of like a you know you know me and my crazy predictions I, uh-huh. had, uh, I, I had uh don draper's db cooper maybe, uh-huh. uh oh yeah <laughs> i like that on. i like that too yeah I, and but it became a thing and it's like now now we're not going to do it because you all thought of it but um <laughs> very gratuitously and kind of weirdly out of character except for that it's clumsy and odd on the way out on the silicon valley on the stanford cluster run he almost hits his neighbor's little girl and he sexualizes her
2: yes yes he does right
1: and it's like real fucking creepy like oh you're gonna this won't be the first time you stop traffic little hottie yeah but you know not now but later on yeah. Right, he's trying to recover from that yeah so if you're dealing, and, and then Jared, uh, you know when he's doing the interview, it's like, well, we're basically a criminal organization with a casually racist CEO, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, yeah, scatological humor and all this other stuff. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
1: The case against Richard that is can be made by people just look who, you know, looking from the outside, can be pretty solid. And if he mm-hmm. ends up putting malware on people's phones that that has any kind of child safety issue with it, and mm-hmm. then the neighbor's like, oh yeah, he's weird to my kid and almost yeah. hit her with a car and, yeah. and like tried to hit on her and she's seven you know and that kind of thing so i think they're setting richard up for the the next phase of the challenge for him is when he becomes famous
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and 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 the company is big and there are bad players and uh we're gonna see him richard up those situations i'm sure um companies yeah, i, mean, I worked for we've had issues with like ch- with, like we'll run a big online forum for kids or whatever uh-huh. and there'll be a child safety issue like suddenly sure. there are some predators yeah we treat that as seriously as a heart attack right? yeah was, right like of shut down move in secure mm-hmm. age duo thing make sure you know parent acknowledge mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you can't make friendships without uh, an adult right in the middle and and all that kind of stuff. And and I don't see Richard handling that kind of thing responsibly as he.
2: I'll go so far as like, how surprised would you be on a scale of one to ten to find that Richard had slipped an algorithm that flagged women in swimsuits age 12 to 16 for his to his personal inbox? You know, like if that came out, I wouldn't right. I wouldn't be I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. That's that's about Richard.
1: And, well, don't forget, too, they're treating software a little bit like magic in Harry Potter. You know? Yeah, of it's course. A, it all flows like energy or whatever. Right, right. Keep in mind that in the in the ecosystem of Richard's GitHub repository, there's also NipAlert and, yep. uh, and the Not-A-Hot-Dog penis detector. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can see definitely a Frankensteining of something that's going to have uh, – you know that that and that he'll think is absurd when someone introduces it. It's like people are using our technology for sexual exploitation, uh-huh. right? Or for drug trafficking, or for human trafficking, or for child exploitation, or for any number of nefarious things. Right? And he's like, "But that's not the point. It's going to be free and give everybody wonderful freedom. It's like you're giving criminals wonderful freedom."
2: Yeah. And that's like, you know, there's that's a that's another Silicon Valley problem is the fact that there are a lot of people, a lot of a lot of young men uh, at the reins of power that because they became wealthy and powerful young, they never learned any valuable lessons. And not only are they defiant to cultural norms uh, or ignorant of them, but they're actually defiant once you explain them to them like, hey, you can't do this because, you know, women don't like to be treated this way. Well, fuck you. You know right uh that's that's your you're b you're, you're you're that's so beta of you to point that out <laughs> like uh, and
1: i'm I'm calling it right now, Keenan Feldspar's in that camp, yeah, like, he's got his bar made uh, ten thousand dollar rig v r screen and yeah. Richard's compression to make it work on a phone, and people don't like it well, that you know I think it's awesome, I'm gonna go parasailing and feel awesome about it and it's right like, you're created a brothel for. Great, grade
2: school kids, yeah. For Dinesh and Guilford, <laughs> like you can just look at this girl for as long as you want, and I'm just like, Jesus right. Christ, guys, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, and unless you got some, you know, I mean, shit, we've not already got an good. hour on this, why not? Um, TJ Miller, yes, uh, his leaving good thing, bad thing.
1: Uh, I think it's a potentially a good thing. Um, uh, uh, well, first of all, I think I think the way that Chichi Miller is handling it uh, it bugs me. I don't I don't really like it when people run each other down. You know, on a,
2: you got to work in this town again. It man. does seem like he just doesn't give a fuck, though. Like, I have you seen his new? Have you seen his stand up special? Uh, no, I've just seen
1: some clips from it. Uh, it's. Our- co-podcaster oh, Andrew
2: saw it. it's surprisingly prop comedy heavy but he like the the, the core of it is kind of like you know how in um, Dave Chappelle's latest he has this like hook about the the four times he met OJ Simpson and they kind of uh, like but uh, TJ Miller's thing is like I don't number reason number five I don't give a fuck and he makes some kind of crazy statement about something like I bought this battle axe in Mall of America in Minnesota or whatever Um, I, I kind of think that in reading his in reading his interviews it seems like the characters that tj miller portrays and tj miller themse- himself are n- there's not that much daylight between them no he is the Ehrlich of the cast
1: he's definitely yes. he, you read those interviews and he's coming off uh with almost this trumpian level of arrogance it's like well they offered me this but i told them that and it's and i can hear him doing the Ehrlich voice uh huh Right.
2: And kind of maybe uh, a little bit delusional about the fact that maybe they wanted him off the show?
1: Yeah, because like, he was uh, saying they wanted to give me uh, just three episodes, you know, so that I'd have more time for my projects. But I told them the best thing I could do for the show is leave, you know, and it's like, <laughs> come on, Jay, all right, fine. Do, I I mean, we love Ehrlich, especially uh-huh. Sion just like identified he's like her spirit animal. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And I think he was great energy for Richard. I think it's a good thing for the show. To take him off because, uh, so Matt Ross is a fantastic actor, he's really, really great. Gavin Bell, that's
2: Gav, yeah, okay,
1: yeah. And I mean, he was in American Psycho, uh, right, right, and he's a, a big love. And uh, they have, uh, I feel that he's been Skylared a bit on this show, that he's been underutilized because they introduced. Barker and Hanneman and they just started Richard down this path of you know the billionaire of the year is going to screw with you type mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. and Belson's story has felt peripheral it's felt right. like meanwhile over here at Hooley he's failing in a Hooli way okay. Right. Um, the bringing the show back to a conflict between Richard and Gavin I think has a lot of great potential for improving the overall story that is the fight and we ended there At the end of the, uh, you know, of the season back at the restaurant, back with the same offer, you know, Um, and if they play that out a little bit better. And I think Ehrlich was kind of in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, there's just no basis. There was a basis in the first couple of seasons. There's not a basis now for Richard to be turning to Ehrlich for anything. Right. Right. He's not providing anything. Yeah. Uh, He's got a house. Right. And that's kind of it. Plus, I'm kind of pl- hoping pl- that Jin Yang inherits it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Plus, um, you know, the thing about Ehrlich is that his skill set is bogus. Right? right. Like he got he got this this, um, I don't know, timeshare aircraft thing or whatever bought out that made him modestly wealthy. And then he frittered that away with trying to prove that he is a business genius and the results are in. He's not.
1: Right and even he said so he's like, you know there are people who are successful and people who aren't, and you and I Richard are not right right um and I think he was speaking truthfully about himself, yeah. certainly, so I think yeah i i like i think I like him leaving the show because I think they need to pare down and focus on the Richard story and uh where unless we were going to put what either you're going to get rid of TJ or you're going to make her get Ehrlich into venture capital. If you wanted to real, uh, the, the, the premise he put forward to, uh, Lori and, um, Monica mm-hmm. has some merit to it, mm-hmm. which is that the Silicon Valley is a boys club, mm-hmm. right? And here's a VC firm that's female led, right? He could be a, an effective beard for them if he could keep it together. And then it would be an opportunity for Ehrlich to grow, in this role. Yeah. Right. And, and it's not, not that women need a man to, to succeed or whatever. But the point is, if you're going to do something with the character, having him honestly engage with Laurie and Monica, who also don't have any energy on the show. Right. right, And giving them a uh, – making that dynamic work, the Ehrlich Mon- – because I we always sort of felt that there was romantic tension between Monica and Ehrlich that was had a lot of potential. Huh. You know, like I- – the, the, you know, he's like talking to her at Laurie's baby shower about the power plays, and she's listening. And right. She's giving back her point of view, and she gives as good as she gets with them. Right. Know? And I think that they could have been an interesting romantic couple because I don't really want to see Richard hook up, or and I really don't care about
2: Dinesh. And no, they. They. I felt like that. That. That will they, won't they? With Monica and Richard, is completely gone. That was definitely a part of season one, and it's completely gone now. Completely gone. They, they don't even. To- they don't even. They don't. They don't even try for it in the show.
1: No. Um, so I think ultimately it'll be healthy for the show, certainly moving Ehrlich out of the Richard storyline, whether, and, and I think that's what they meant about giving him just a couple of episodes. I think they were thinking we can make you part of the, you know, the, the Monica and, uh, uh Laurie team, mm-hmm. uh, and have that, you know, you, you're like swinging all these deals cause he brought them Keenan Feldspar, Yeah. He got them off the ground. Right. Right. So it would have made perfect sense. For them to say you know what you actually have demonstrated That you've got this thing that neither of us Have which is this re- and, certainly Lori and, 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 doesn't and we have don't understand yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, And if you could Just stop being an arrogant prick you could use Your charisma for good right? Or you, could, so, be, you uh, could be
2: our arrogant Prick whisperer Like you can like we, you, we Your brain and how it works is unfathomable to us We could use you as a Rosetta Stone To understand what these other right. Jackasses are thinking
1: Exactly yeah um, and I think it would have been a good uh, arc for the show in general, which is it, the, the show set this premise early on. I forget if it was season one or two where, where Ehrlich says, you have to be the biggest asshole around. Otherwise, you'll create an asshole, asshole vacuum. vacuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The asshole vacuum. And the answer is no, it's not. The, the, you shut down the asshole vacuum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. It, it, you have to immunize yourself from intrusion by assholes, not by being an asshole, but by being an anti asshole. Right. No, and that's, if that's all what... of the characters could learn that. You know that's a very good redemptive story. Yeah, uh, but it's like TJ will. He his last line on the show is big head. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. No, I. So the other thing is like the way they structured this, I feel like there's room a season or two down the line where TJ Miller, uh, the emoticon movie, has cratered, which right. I can't see it doing anything but. Uh, and he hasn't quite, you know, had the 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 David Caruso esque uh, career arc that that he was. <laughs> well maybe he right. will have the day maybe that's a I think better he will example. have the right good right right of career. right um I, it it's interesting that like i i think I, I wonder what it'd be like for a you know an Ehrlich to come back from tibet after he's crawled his way out of the opium den and like you know like like he if he comes back like uh fucking Christian bale as uh uh, as Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, yes. you know, at a moment where Richard has and he's learned some things and he's gotten some philosophy and, you know, uh, he's he's kicked a crippling a, a opioid addiction. And he's I, I think that would be kind of interesting, a triumphant return. And I can already see the HBO commercials hyping it up because I yeah. do think he's this show's Kramer.
1: He absolutely is the Kramer. Yeah. And he's the bringer of the Kramer.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that's, you know, it'd be like Always Sunny getting, you know, surviving Danny DeVito leaving. Like, those characters, although those characters play a very important, uh, 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 take a very important role in comedies. They're the agents of chaos that that make everything, you know, that, like, if, if things, in real life, things either fall apart or they get to an even keel. A guy like Ehrlich is the person who takes it off the even keel. So.
1: Right, right, uh, and I think yeah. It, it, what I had been kind of hoping was that uh, you know Matt Ross would be stepping in as the bringer of the crazy because mm-hmm. he's been kind of sidelined mm-hmm. in that role because of of Erlich's position. Now it looks like we're going to conflict with Richard rather than cooperation, you know. So well, well
2: how- and and also like they, I like that they've reestablished Gels- Gavin Bellson as a person to be feared and respected because he does like. Uh, he's he's very he's a very weird guy, and his fantastic wealth and success have allowed him to indulge in those weirdnesses. Um, but he's not he's not he's not like an Ehrlich. He he's not bereft of a skill set. Like he did right. go in there and rescue Jack. He he was able to negotiate the 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 deal that got the hooli phones built in the first place. Like he's got some business business acumen and some shrewdness to him. He's just lost his way a little bit. Um I I I'm, I'm kind of excited to see like a, a ruthless Gav- Gavin Belson too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and also that uh what I like about that is that he's at the restaurant and I credit him with at least in, in that moment honestly wanting to work with Richard. He's like, "Look, I've got the resources to make this thing work. You've got the tech." You've got the vision of the company. Yes. Let's do this together. And it's uh-huh. actually, this is how we do it. And then Richard's idea of like, you're a server company, you're your old hat or whatever. It's like servers are going to be central to this thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you know, the power of a server compared to the power of a phone is ridiculous. Right. Right. So even your system running on servers is still a great thing.
2: Is a be- arguably a better fit than.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and then Richard, you know, you know, turns him down and even the whole like thanks for giving me the patent and all that kind of stuff and you see gavin say okay you want to play that way we're going to go dark side
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and i'm better at this than you are richard mm-hmm. right and so of course his arrogance could potentially knock him down you know uh, but uh, could
2: be in for a return of the jedi season next <laughs> year or not return of the jedi uh, uh, uh empire strikes back season
1: Right, right, and so I, I'm looking forward to the conflict between the two of them and Richard will bring, and and Matt Ross's character will bring a lot of crazy. But the thing that Ehrlich provided was that he was the crazy on the inside. He was the yes. crazy in Pied Piper. Yes, he's not the opposing king. Right, right, and so uh, you know I thought there was a lot of potential to bring Gavin in and have him directing Richard's development of this company and incubating and, uh-huh. and you know become the new incubator. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be conflict. So if that's the case, and we're just with um, if we're just with Richard and Gilfoyle and Dinesh and Jin Yang, mm-hmm. right, maybe, on the other side, I think there's no energy there, right? Yeah, there's no have, one bringing the crazy to
2: They'll, that. they'll have to bring someone in, in there. They'll have to bring someone. Uh,
1: and I might, you know, uh, I might go with a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, get, get I mean, it, it just even in this last episode, it's like, here's a potential female character who just is not going to be joining us, right? Yeah, yeah. It's almost a joke. And yeah, so, they
2: haven't had one since season two, right? They had the...
1: Uh, Cunty's friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought she's great and bringing her back would be okay, but she's low energy too. She's right. a react character, not a... You need you need Kunti. I think they need Cunty herself. Yeah. We have never met her <laughs> Just ever be this total lunatic. Total are story. we sure she's a real person? No, I think I mean she might have been just screwing with them, you know, because they're playing with sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I have a friend named Cunty. What do you think about that, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, uh, so I, they they're definitely going to need a Kramer replacement f- if if most of the action is going to be still within you know within Pipe Piper, um, and I I don't know what that's going to be. We'll see.
2: Yeah. Um... Man, that's, yeah, I could just, it, for, so we're talking about a lot of the micro problems, but the macro problem, I think, more than anything this season is it didn't have a signature. Like, when I think about season one and the great finale, and I think about, uh, you know, season two, there's this great visual gag that really hit me and Jim with the mariachi band, you know, drowning out Richard's big speech. In season three, there was the horse fucking, which right. I thought was hysterical. Uh that was great. I just felt like this season, I, when I think back, there's not going to be like a signature, super funny moment, right? Like, like the the, the showdown between where where Dinesh finally won some sort of victory against Ganesh, or no, I'm, not, I'm sorry, Dinesh against Gilfoyle. Um, uh, that's their couple name. That's a Hollywood, the Hollywood Ganesh, except for I, The like, Ganesh, yeah, like yeah. I do feel like that's an actual Hindu god, and I'm probably being super super. It offensive. is Ganesh yes. is the, yes. the uh, elephant headed guy, right? Yeah. So yeah, I've got yeah I've ca- casual casual uh, cultural appropriation by me. Um, no, you know I I I don't know. I just don't know what the 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 side splitting. Oh my god, this was a musty moment for the season's gonna be. Which I don't know. Like I don't know why I judge it more. Like I love Ballers, um, yeah. but I can't think of any single thing on any season that I would point to and be like, oh yeah, that's the reason you watch Ballers. Right. You know, right. Ballers just like eating cotton candy. <laughs> maybe so, uh, maybe silicon valley doesn't need to be more than that
1: maybe it doesn't and, and yeah i agree i don't think there was nothing this season that was as big as the horse or the other stuff mm-hmm. uh i liked the the basically the the, the the whole stanford cluster run um series of that that felt like there this was high energy and a lot of fun hmm. uh having you know did, did packing Anton in, just get rid of the batteries, let's sexualize a child and ride out of here. See, I, I I
2: thought I what was in hampering my ability to enjoy that was just the the seal the, the feeling of impending doom. Like as things right. got more and more frantic and desperate, like the odds of this actually happening were low, and yet the personal stakes were like Jared's leaving the company, Gilfoy's gonna have to say goodbye to Anton. You know, I don't know what Dinesh is gonna do, but Dinesh, you know, Dinesh might have he and his girlfriend might kill him now because uh, the information he extracted from her. Like it's like all these bodies were piling up, but like it it was a, it was a doomed it was a doomed final stand, which turns out to both be correct and not correct. So. Um,
1: yeah it's kind of you know what it is it's the uh, it's the cat eyes contact lenses it's like <laughs> that was really funny yeah the first look and the reactions it doesn't substantially it's not like the other big laugh moments on the show where it spoke very substantially to anything it's just a sight gag and
2: it didn't build like it didn't like uh, you know there was only really the one reaction it wasn't like you know big head got the ah when he saw him for the first time or right. it it's just yeah but- he had cat eyes the rest of the episode <laughs>
1: But just in terms of raw funniness, it's like okay, so this is funny, but it's just slapstick. This yes. this is the Three Stooges. This is not, uh, you know, this is not very insightful about how anything really works in the valley, or it's not a, you know, like the horse fucking is hysterical, not just because it's horse fucking, but because it's Jack Barker, mm-hmm. right? It, with this incredible, like, awkward, aggressive, alpha, mm-hmm. clumsy thing, well, and, and this this happening
2: head. in the background, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I just I I get, feel like next season is going to be a blank slate with uh, TJ Miller going and the fact that they're out of even Mike Judge was talking about how this is essentially. You know the tale of Pied Piper is, as you said, you had the startup phase, and then they are now the, this this this. We're supposed to understand that this season they've successfully navigated the stability phase. Like they're now like it's it's there's not going to be any more, Oh my God, Pied Piper is just going to be destroyed. It's going to be now. How can they get to be like a Microsoft, a Google, or a Hooli kind of. A level or if they're ever going right. to hit that which you know can they from survive our, at scale when well, that's the thing with our, with our for our conversation like that seems naive because if anything Pied Piper has bigger targets on them and, and has, has more threats against them than they ever have so
1: absolutely and the thing that they don't have that they need that Gavin Belson can deprive them of is to be at this kind of scale and and, and operating you can't be four guys in a garage anymore you have to have a competent, uh, support crew, right? You would need a thousand people probably, or a or hundred people at least, uh, to support this kind of thing, uh, you know, and run and, and and run interference on problems because now you're going to get nothing but problems being introduced by your users. Right. And there is no way for Richard to just stay up all night dealing with that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so the, you, you know, they've scaled their operations and now they're going to need to scale, you know, the, they need an office. They need, you know, a real company mm-hmm. to, to support what they're doing here. And, uh, and Gavin is in, you know, given the m- sort of magical mythological way that they're dealing with technology here. Gavin's in a, pos- in a position to choke them out, mm-hmm. you know, prevent them from getting the support they need. Yeah. Uh, and that to me is the source of the conflict. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like there's a lot of potential in the next season we'll see you know there's not it's not like where do they you know it's not like it's a mystery it's like not like oh, where do we go from here it's more like are they going to be able to pull off this scaling story in a way where it's where richard remains an interesting character
2: yeah well we've, we've talked a lot about how like sometimes even great shows like breaking bad they have to take their breath for an episode or two to Uh, you know move the pieces so they can get to the next big thing right and some some fans get antsy about that because it's it's not the reason they stay tuned in uh i wonder if this will be seen as like one of those whole seasons where it's just kind of the pieces are being shuffled around the board uh and they but it is a vital step to get to the next thing but it doesn't it's not super entertaining on its own i mean that's pretty pretty (laughs) pessimistic and meta way to look at it but
1: could be I think it's more in this case because we're we're not dealing with a long arc story mm-hmm. like that so much. I think that they decided to be more episodic this season. I think it was a creative choice. They said instead of really playing out this incredibly long arc of, of a, another conflict with another billionaire, mm-hmm. let's have a bunch of different little vignettes that are one or two episodes long, right? That that play out like the manic hacker pixie chick and yeah, the CEO yeah, yeah. Didn't should end like that. Um, and wonder, end with Hooli which I thought was was a pretty strong ending. But I think that it depends on if they decide they want to double down on that format. We're going to be more, you know, just sort of week to weekish with a big ending. Uh-huh. Um, or if they're going to say, no, we need a real arc for how we deal with post scale Piper. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm hoping they go the latter right? because there is a lot of great dramatic potential in. Pied Piper has now got hundreds of thousands of people using it. So your whole life just changed.
2: Right. right. Yeah, I wonder I, – I, I, it's funny you say that because I kind of wonder if they couldn't push this even further into episodic like Always Sunnyland where, you know, I, I it's like, like the Pied Piper arc is essentially Sam on Cheers pitching career. Like it's something that's always in the background that's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that's that's like, you know, what this guy is supposed to care about. But it's, you know, you you give the characters more room to like breathe and just have purely zany adventures. But I don't know. That's not that's not exactly like maybe this is as far into those waters as they can wade without turning off the original fans. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think, um, look, everyone who loves a good hero versus villain story, Mm -hmm. we're setting Gavin up there. Richard is now playing at Gavin's level, mm-hmm. right? But Gavin's still way ahead in the game, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, you know, it's it's like Barton Fink. What do you need a roadmap? That's a pretty good basis for a solid, you know, uh, conflict story. Yeah, uh, I, I would say I would say there's more basis for continuing the story in, in, next year in Silicon Valley than there was from season five of Breaking Bad. You know. Uh, hmm. But they had such solid characters and such a solid premise that it's like, well, we introduce a few more villains, and we, you know, uh, what is Walter White like post-winning? What is what is his life? Yeah, let's check it out. And so I think uh, there's definitely a lot of potential there. I hope that they. I hope that they lean in and make a more substantial story about the rise of this company, because if they basically, if they want us to like Richard and to redeem him and that kind of thing, he has to have a redemptive arc. He can't be episodically fucking up. and then, Yeah. He can't be Jack tripper. He can't be episodically fucking up and then, you know, mugging for the camera and we still love the, the old guy. We need to see that he really grows.
2: All right. Thanks again, Jason, for coming on the podcast to talk about all things Silicon Valley. If you want more, of Jason and his fellow Natterborn heading, holding it down on the Nattercast. You can find them at nattercast.com. We'll be back uh, with more Balmoo TV real soon, uh, maybe some other special guests. Uh, I know Cecily and I still owe you an American Gods and Halton, uh, not Halton, Catch Fire, uh, House of Cards recap which will be coming um probably next week at this point because we got the con of thrones coming up uh but if you'd like to send us any feedback do so at tv at baldmove.com or go to forums.baldmove.com uh to discuss whatever we're talking about here with your fellow fans talk to you later